0: Today, I'm so excited to continue our focus on mental freedom with my friend and colleague, a graduate of mental freedom, Bruce Davenport. Bruce is a part time counselor and coach with the Blevins Institute of Carson Newman University in Tennessee. He's a Glasser International faculty member. For 34 years, he has worked with troubled teens in Tennessee. He's a part-time instructor for graduate counseling students, teaching choice theory at Carson Newman University for 20 years. He's also been married to his wife, Donna, for 40 years with their three children and four grandchildren. Welcome, Bruce, and thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your experiences with mental freedom.
1: Thank you, Cam. We go way back in those Glasser days from Los Angeles to Canada to Florida, all over the country. Sure Uh, do. Pleasure to get to know you years ago. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and interact. Before I forget, thank you for helping some of my family members on a private basis. And you were very helpful personally to a family member and also to me in the mental freedom. I really enjoyed that opportunity to learn more about having a more satisfying life. It was a real pleasure.
0: Well, it was totally my pleasure, but thank you so much for that, Bruce. That means a lot to me. Yeah. Do you want to tell our audience how mental freedom has helped you personally? We could start there.
1: Sure. I'll, I'll never forget one of the sessions about the stories we tell ourselves. And this was during the pandemic. I had finished up a job, I was in transition to working part time. And I remember asking you, Kim, I have this reoccurring story in my head of all these people I used to help. I would come home and think, you know, I did a group's all day and maybe help 75 people and every day or once a week i would have graduate students helping me and i would train the graduate students and then they would help people and i would come home and think wow look at the people i contacted and then when the pandemic hit and i was transitioning to part time work i was telling my story over and over i'm not helping anyone i'm i'm not getting that message out there of choice theory and mental freedom and you helped me reframe that story and say, "Bruce, can you be grateful for those you've helped and imagine all those people you've helped Today they may be helping someone else?" That was something I'll never forget in the mental freedom part, and I'm grateful for that. And over the years, I've sort of put you in what I call, uh, there's two different words. I call it used to call it balcony people. So, Kim, you're in my balcony, encouraging Uh me. Now, I guess another word is inner circle. I'd like to throw out some other people that are in my inner circle. Certainly, Bill Glasser is there, although he's not alive. A mentor for all of my life is Bill Blevins, sort of a spiritual and a counselor type. I know you know Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, a new guy called Mort Fortell. Jack Canfield, I drove my wife all the way to New York to Mm -hmm. meet Jack Canfield, Tony Robbins. So I think it's important for the listeners to have an inner circle and have as much influence from that group. I I used to be, I'd call it a a cassette junkie years ago. I used to listen to those all the time, but now when I run, I can listen to your podcast, over a hundred podcasts, and I'm still working on those. I appreciate you being in my inner circle, and I would encourage the listeners to really pay attention to your inner circle and, and frequently listen to those folks. I
0: feel very honored to be in your inner circle with those people that you mentioned. Wow. That is very humbling. Thank you so much. So how have you used mental freedom in your family, Bruce?
1: I'll start with this past year in the fall. tragically. Both of my daughters, I have three children, presently I have four grandchildren, but in the fall, both my daughters, within a month, had miscarriages, and so that was a challenge. My wife and I also experienced a miscarriage. My daughters are different from each other, but I found myself using a mental freedom concept, and I had to be careful. Certainly, it's okay to feel that pain initially. So we communicated, and I made the effort to stay as connected as I could. My wife went and stayed, helped out each daughter during the procedure. But one thing, part of mental freedom that I started attempting to share with my daughters was the glow at the appropriate time. And I probably misstepped at times because they were both sad, but using the glow, the gifts trying to help him see the lessons, opportunities, and the wisdom in that situation. To make a long story short, just a few weeks ago, I got the news that both daughters are now expecting within a week of each other. Wow. Is that something to remember, that we look for those good things, certainly experiencing the difficult you know, is a challenge. But that was a good lesson. And we sort of have a family story. I think you could call this a mental freedom story. You've probably heard it before about the ancient villager who was poor, and he decided to try to make some money by selling stallions. And he went out, borrowed some money from the villagers, and he was able to buy a stallion. And he put the stallion in the pen, and his effort was to help raise stallions. Unfortunately, he went out the next day and the stallion was gone. So he and his son began looking for the stallion. Villagers came to him and said, Oh, this is terrible. You've lost your horse. You owe us all this money. And the villager looks at the town people and says, Good thing, bad thing, who knows? The next day, He noticed out in the field, there were 10 stallions running around. So he and his son gathered them, put them in the pen. The villagers came and said, look how fortunate you are. Look how lucky you are. He turns to the villagers and says, good thing, bad thing, who knows? The next day, the son was out breaking one of the horses and it threw him off. The villagers came and said, this is terrible. Your son has broken both legs. He repeats, good thing, bad thing, who knows? A few days later, the king declared a war. All the young boys had to go to war. And the villagers said, your son won't have to go to war because he's broken both legs. He looks and says, good thing, bad thing, who knows? The story continues I think that's a story that our family has adopted, especially when bad things happen. How can we look at this? What's the story? And that's the good thing I got from mental freedom. What's the story that we're telling in our head? I think that's a story our family has adopted to try to live by.
0: I love that story. I really do. And when you shared about your daughters and their miscarriages, one of the things that came to my mind is if you and your wife hadn't experienced that yourself, You wouldn't have had the opportunity to be as compassionate for your girls because you'd lived through that and you had three healthy children to show for that. So it can provide a lot of hope. I just think you couldn't have known it at the time, but that really turned out to be a benefit. That's wonderful. Mm The thing about trying to find the glow that people need to understand is that you don't get to choose the painful experiences. You didn't choose those, but you do get to choose your response, which we've heard many, many times, but we don't always know how to choose our response. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: looking for gifts, lessons, opportunities, and wisdom can be helpful in that process. So thanks for bringing that one up, Bruce. That's wonderful. I love that story too. Mm -hmm. I know that you're still very active in helping other people. Have you used mental freedom in that category?
1: There's two areas right now that I think of. I've had, I think, three major health crises in my life. And one in particular, recently I had trouble with hearing. I actually lost 70% hearing in one of my ears. And finally, the to make a long story short, the doctor said, there's nothing I can do for you you'll just have to learn to live with it. And I started taking that and I realized I was so dependent on the physicians. So I started practicing one of the mental freedom concepts of taking 100% responsibility. I started doing some meditating, listening. I know Louise Hay is very helpful in affirmations. My son helped me discover an app that I could take my own hearing test every day. And for 30 days, I just listened to this meditation every day, focused on those affirmations. I'm almost embarrassed to share this, but my hearing went from below 25%. I got it all the way up to 90%. Wow. One key emphasis here is not to blame yourself for what happened. But just realize that this is a part of you. There may have been some contribution. I don't know. I have an inclination that I helped contribute to it. As a result of that minor, well, for me, it was a major thing. I've started sharing with others. I'm doing a workshop with some cancer patients. Sharing my story, obviously theirs is more traumatic, but just taking some of those simple concepts and especially the idea of owning whatever the situation is and taking more responsibility in terms of, yes, let's listen to good medical advice, do what your doctors say, but own that situation to where you can help your mind help create a better, healthy environment. Also, being as loving as you can to your immune system. That concept of 100% responsibility is so critical, especially for our health.
0: I really like that, Bruce. So that's something that you've done yourself and also have helped others to do?
1: Right. I've got a few people I'm dealing with that are dealing with some serious illnesses and helping them to practice and imagine getting that mental freedom whatever space you can create for that space in your mind where you don't have to dwell on all the negativity. Also, I'm enjoying working with some couples now in applying that same concept of taking 100% responsibility. What is it you need to fix in the situation in your marriage?
0: That's a good question, because it's so easy for couples to look at the other person and say, if you would just fix this, then our marriage would be fine. And the other person is thinking, well, if you would just fix this. And people don't generally think to look in the mirror and say, what's my responsibility and what can I change that would help this relationship?
1: I'm asking them to write down their problems, similar to what Glasser did. You know, he, he didn't want to spend much time on the problems and to write those problems down and temporarily set them aside to give yourself what I would call the mental freedom, because if you keep dwelling on all the problems, it fills up your relationship and your mind to where there's not much mental freedom space to work on what you need to work on, which is connecting. Right. Absolutely.
0: What would you say of the six principles of mental freedom, is there one that was more useful for you than the rest?
1: Well, I think of the using your emotions for good. And and Tim, I credit you for I don't know how long ago it was when you started talking about the, quote, counselor skill that we were all taught in Counseling 101. Then the question is, how did that make you feel? obviously working with counseling students, that's the typical question. I had to be careful not to be the language police. I have to do it very carefully. And it's such a common thing in all the news, in all of our society, of asking that question. So realizing that my thinking and my action Is what helps create those feelings. Yes, I get that initial frustration. There's nothing I can do about that. But that's one of the strongest things that I wish more people knew about. I have to remind myself we have to be careful in how we influence people with that situation or they can easily get turned off because it's so ingrained in us. And that other concept that you continue to remind me that my brain, My creator made me to be negative for a good reason. In combining those two, it helps us to gain more mental freedom by realizing that we're not victims to the circumstances of our life, especially helping people. We're not victims to our own impulses. We've got a good example of that recently. If you watch the Oscars of how we've got these role models It's a perfect example in our society of how we need to get the word out there of mental freedom and choice theory to help people learn. The Will Smith situation of hitting Chris Rocky acted on his impulses. He doesn't know what we're talking about today.
0: Right. And he did apologize today. I don't know if you saw that. He made a beautiful apology to Chris Rock and said his behavior was unacceptable. And I respect him for that. But yeah, it was one of those things where you get an emotion and you think that the other person created that in you, but really you've created it in yourself and you could create something different if you want to. It's not easy But it's part of going back to that responsibility piece. We are responsible for the creation of our own emotions, not the initial, not the initial, the first, you know, couple of seconds that we don't get to choose. That's our brain saying something's wrong here that you don't like and you better attend to it. And attending to it doesn't mean acting out in anger or violence or anything like that, unless, of course, it's self-defense. It's really a powerful piece. And for me, understanding that part of mental freedom or coming to that understanding for me, I would be sad and it felt like someone outside of me was creating that sadness for me. But then I realized, oh my goodness, I was being sad so that the person that was what I believed was hurting me could see how sad I was and change their behavior. So it's like I'm trying to subconsciously, I had no idea I was doing this. No one does, Mm -hmm. but I was trying to influence their behavior with my sadness. And when I recognized that, I thought, wow, that's not who I want to be. I need to make some adjustments here. So that's another example of how painful experiences can have glow because what that did for me, that realization was certainly painful, but it gave Mm. me the opportunity to create that idea of how we use our emotions sometimes for nefarious purposes unbeknownst to us. Mm. And we can change that if we want to. And it really comes down to first recognizing that we're doing it and then asking ourselves the question, could I do it differently? And is that the person that I really want to be? That is a question I constantly ask myself. Is that who I want to be? Because a lot of times my instincts take me to a place that is not who I want to be.
1: Yes, asking those questions help us increase that awareness. You would think that Will Smith would have been aware of that being watched by millions of people, but that didn't affect his awareness. And that's the key for us to change is to be aware of those choices.
0: Right. And going back to the Will Smith situation, part of mental freedom is the unconditional trust challenge. The unconditional trust challenge is remembering that every single person on the planet at any moment in time is doing the best they can to get what they want. Right, And I suspect in that moment, what Will Smith wanted more than anything was to defend the woman that he loved. Right, And that's what he did. And it was the best he could do in that moment. And I'm glad that today, less than 24 hours later, he has a different thought and he's trying to make amends. We all have had those moments. And rather than to judge other people in those moments and see, well, they made a bad choice. Maybe they did, but it was their best choice in the moment to get what they wanted. And that's what we have to remember. So it takes the judgment out of it and it opens it up and allows for kindness, compassion, understanding, which will only help us move forward together rather than separate
1: and divide us. He gave us a good teaching opportunity here. Definitely,
0: definitely. I'm glad you brought it up because I've been thinking about him. One of the things that I love about Will Smith is if you listen to some of his videos that he has done, he sounds like he knows choice theory. Okay. Um, He talks about responsibility. He has a video about fault versus responsibility. And he uses the example, if you have a bad childhood and your parent was abusive, it's not your fault that you were abused as a child, but it is your responsibility to make the best life for yourself you can. That's a video that he has. He has another video. I don't remember this one as well because I haven't watched it as many times, but it was something about he and his wife were talking and he said something like, I can't make you happy. Mm-hmm. And that's so very important because just as someone can't make you mad, they also can't make you happy. We uh-huh. choose mad. We choose happy. The other person may make it easier or harder, that's true, but it's always our responsibility, what emotion we decide to sit in. You said something interesting about how mental freedom helps your golf game, but I didn't hear the story. Can you fill me in on that?
1: Well, with the pandemic, it was safe to go play golf. Golf is a very difficult mental game, probably more than any other game. So I really apply paying attention to the language in my head as I play. I'm not trying to impress you, but impress upon you of how important it is in trying a new skill of being kind to yourself. People that watch golf on TV, you can see the professionals mess up. So how do you respond to that? And how can you not allow the circumstances of your game to influence you to keep your focus, especially watching my language? And I've had some success with golf, but I attribute that to the ability to use your mind to focus and have the mental freedom not to let a bad shot influence you. And also, I credit learning the skill of golf to other challenges. And one recently, I've really changed my concept of helping couples, and I've mentioned that earlier, in trying to compare it to what I would call relationship fitness. I'm trying to help folks to set aside their problems, work on fixing what they're trying to be responsible for and then learning new habits, as Glasser taught us, practicing the connecting habits of talk and touch. That's how I would share of learning a new skill and and using the mental freedom to help you try new things. And I have a few things that I've been excited about recently, and it starts with this concept of Think of all the license that you have as far as your counseling. You offer license in coaching. We have to go get a driver's license, and we have to demonstrate skill. To get a marriage license, all you need is a pulse. (laughs) So that's so sad. The relationship that creates the most difficulty in our lives, think of the homes and the children that are affected by divorce, I've discovered some things recently, and I would call this some principles for relationship fitness. Can I share a few? And then if you want to respond to them and see how they fit this concept of mental freedom. Sure. One is that I wish I had known early on is in the beginning, the feelings of love lead us to act in loving ways. But later in marriage, the opposite is true. We have to focus on the loving actions that lead us to the feelings of love. 100%.
0: I totally agree.
1: Right. So, but I didn't know that. You know, and I I wish I'd known that early on, and I wish somehow we had a marriage license to where you could realize that, that the feelings and the chemistry of the honeymoon will go away, and the familiarity of the relationship is going to change. Another concept, realizing back to what you mentioned frequently in mental freedom, that our brain is wired to be negative that whatever we focus on tends to get bigger. And if we focus on the problems, they expand and get bigger. Yes. Another concept that I really like is instead of fixing what's wrong, we focus on making new things right. Because when we list some of our problems Trying to work those out can be difficult. But if we can go back to those days when we fall in love, and, and I, I say that in quotes now because it sounds like it was an accident. <laughs> you know, that's a concept that I really like to clarify with folks, falling in love. So, mm-hmm. The other concept I try to share now is you can't talk yourself out of something you behaved yourself into. I can remember early on, me being a counselor, when my wife and I would have some trouble, I would sit down and we'd want to talk or I would want to talk. And I realized I would have been better off is just start showing loving actions and touch to help the feelings of love, realizing that it's our actions The other concept is you don't exercise because you feel healthy. You feel healthy because you exercise. And relaying that to marriage is we feel love because you act in loving ways. Developing those habits is so critical. What do you think, Kim? Could we start a little movement here to require a license and require a test and skills before you get that license, just like how important it is for us to get a driver's license and demonstrate those skills? What do you think?
0: I think it's a brilliant idea. I agree. Having a pulse is not enough to have a happy marriage. Right. There are things that people need to know. I know that as a young person, When my parents would try to teach me things that I didn't need in that moment, like how to budget, I was still living at home, I didn't need to know how to budget, so I didn't pay a lot of attention. People Mm -hmm. tend to want the information when they need it, not preventative wise, but I do think that there's enough pain and suffering in our world from failed relationships that people before they make this most important decision about choosing a partner and making a promise to be with them until death parts them. I know it always doesn't happen that way, but that's the promise that we make in our marriage ceremonies, most of us anyway. People have an investment in having that relationship work, having classes that would help people know some of the pitfalls and some of the I'm gonna call it stinking thinking because that's what AA calls it, some of the yeah. stinking thinking that we have about yeah. relationships and blaming one another instead of figuring out what can I do differently. And you're absolutely right when people say I don't love my husband or my wife anymore. My answer in a glib kind of way is, well, then you just need to love them. What I mean is you need to do it. You need to be loving. If you want more love in your life, you need to be loving. That is just the truth of it. One of the things I would like to talk about if we were going to require license is that sex romance cycle and how usually one person in the relationship is more sexual and the other person values the romance more and how in the beginning, just like you said, the loving feelings create all kinds of sex and romance at the same time, but then with familiarity and sometimes contempt Um, People stop doing those loving gestures, whether it's romance or sex. And what we find is people are demanding it. I need you to be more romantic. I need you to be more sexual. And that just pulls them further apart. So I think it's important for people to know if you want more sex in your life, maybe you need to be more romantic. And if you want more romance in your life, maybe you need to be more sexual. Right. And if if people can understand that, I think that that can also help bring people closer together. Right. It's one of those expressions of love. Right. I think you're onto something
1: Bruce. Thank you. One thing in sharing and making a contribution that's helped me gain more mental freedom, I call it my secret shifter list. Have you heard of the concept of the secret shifter list? I have not. I don't know which mentor this comes from. I'm sure it comes from one of them that I mentioned earlier. But what I chose to do to help me have more mental freedom is when I notice a bad feeling, I notice I'm not on a good road. I pull out my secret shifter list. I keep it in my billfold. I can show it to you, but our audience can't see it. It's a list of what I would call my inner circle people. It's a list of those strengths. It's a list of memories that recall good feelings, good situations. And so if I notice a bad moment, I pull this list out to help me shift. I don't want to deny whatever's happening or whatever I'm experiencing. I want to acknowledge it, but to move out of it quicker I encourage everyone I deal with to make their own secret shifter list. And I've demonstrated this in front of folks before. And I really start focusing on some of the things on my list. I can even create goosebumps on my arm by dwelling on some of those good things. And again, Mm -hmm. going back to that concept that we all need to be aware of every day, that if we let our minds go, that negativity is going to take over. And that's a good thing. Our creator wanted us to be safe, but if we're not aware of that, it can really take us down a negative road. That one concept from my inner circle folks has really helped me. And I encourage every listener, if you have a few minutes today before the end of the day, create your secret shifter list.
0: Could you provide maybe two or three examples from your own list that people could get a sense of what that is?
1: Well, certainly some of the people I've listed, Bill Blevins, and when I think of all of how he has helped me spiritually, emotionally, he asked me to get my license to be a professional counselor. Another thing I have on my list is Ridgecrest. That's a conference center in North Carolina. That's where my wife and I met. And it's a wonderful place. We're going to celebrate our 40th anniversary. We're talking yesterday about going back there to reminisce on the good things. We worked there during the summer when I was in college or after college. If you can imagine going to college, but you didn't have to study. You didn't have to go to, (laughs) you had a job and it was wonderful that the people that were there, that's an example of something on my list of the people places. Obviously, I have choice theory on my list, along with mental freedom, just all the situations that bring you good memories. So those are a few examples. Those are good ones.
0: Thank you. We're getting to the end of our time. And I just like to ask if there's anything you might like to add that we haven't already talked about.
1: A concept my dad taught me very well And I demonstrated this, I asked, the I know this sounds a little creepy, but I asked the funeral home director to cut his pocket out of his suit. And he gave me that pocket and I have it. The concept is your last suit doesn't need pockets. And so the greatest thing that my dad taught me was that the secret to living is giving. That's a concept I don't want to forget, and I want to remind myself of. And that's why I have my dad's pocket, because I have focused some of my life on creating finances and trying to be responsible with that. But your last suit doesn't need pockets. You're going to have to give it all away, or why not give as much as we can? To summarize, the secret to living is giving. And certainly, Kim, you've modeled that with you sharing your ideas, especially about mental freedom and the availability of those ideas over these 100 podcasts that you have and helping people. And I still want to continue listening to those.
0: Thank you so much, Bruce. I appreciate your kind, kind words. Do you have anything coming up that our listeners might be able to hear you, You mentioned that you're helping some cancer patients. I don't know if that's open to other people or if there's anything else you might have going on.
1: I do have this passion about the marriage. If you can remember my name, email is bruce at brucedavenport.com or my website, and you can connect with me there. I'd certainly like to share with anyone interested in the marriage ideas. And I appreciate something you shared with me that made a shift I used to think to help couples, you have to have both involved. I'll never forget, Kim, you shared with me one day, no, it just takes one. Because in a chemical formula, chemical A plus chemical B equals chemical C. If you change one of the A's or B's, it's going to change the end result. And you helped me. I think that was in the last few years. I heard that from you which I think is critical. You don't have to have both parties. You can be in what's called the Lone Ranger track. You can work on your marriage by yourself because that can help. I welcome any folks that would be interested in chatting about trying to be fit in your marriage. I have to do something every day. I ran two miles before we talked today, but I think also I have to be aware of what am I doing today in my marriage to be fit in my relationship.
0: I love that. The fact that you prioritize that and you consciously do things to nurture that relationship, because so often what I find is people get married and that's the pinnacle. We're married now. We'll live happily ever after. But that happily ever after doesn't come unless you do things to facilitate that happily ever after. And I'm going to guess in 40 years of marriage, you and Donna have found some things to facilitate that happily ever after, or you wouldn't still be together after 40 years. Okay, so Bruce, I've really enjoyed talking with you and appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And I'm so happy that you were willing to share your mental freedom experiences with our audience.
1: Thank you, Kim.
0: My pleasure, Bruce. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be wrapping up our third season of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast by talking more about the topic of mental freedom. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or
1: listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.